you have to know what good character is because the Bible talks about bad company corrupts good character. Therefore, Jesus is telling you, there are some people out here who ain't for you, boo-boo. Yes, they are my children, but he is not for you. Let me work on him. And you need to move over here. So we have to know what good character is. And then you look for that. You listen for that when you're asking questions outside of what's your favorite color? Do you like to travel? What's your favorite cereal? Like we, what are we talking about? This is, we supposed to do life together? And we yeah. do these questions like, and again, I am talking to the old Rika, so I don't want anybody to think I'm judging them or throwing them under the bus, but I, think of me as your homegirl in your head. These are the conversations we would have if I was your coach. What are you doing, sis? Yeah, and I'll also encourage people that when you are in those conversations, like sit sit on your hands for a second because the first few sentences might be a little rough and that person might be testing you to see how you're going to react because if you overreact, then you're not, again, you're, you're going to close the vulnerability door. Mm-hmm. So if they're telling you something, let them work that out because a lot of times people don't say things out loud that they've been thinking for years until someone asks them. All my single ladies. All my single ladies. (laughs) What's up, girl? My name is Rika, and thank you so much for listening to Single You, the podcast. Whether you've been listening for a while or you just stumbled upon me. Hello, I am a certified NLP life coach. Now, NLP, let's get nerdy for a second. It's Neuro Linguistic Programming. You can Google the rest of that if you want to know the rest of the nerdy stuff, okay? So I'm certified in that area, a.k.a. The Single Girls Life Coach. I am a self-love coach and a boundaries coach. Listen, I got that boundaries and that self-love on lock, okay? (laughs) All right, so I am your host and also the founder of this podcast and Single You Academy, which is my online coaching program, community, and resource for single women. Now, before we get into the episode, let me just put a little disclaimer out there, all right? I am not a licensed therapist. So I am not to replace a therapist, but I will say this, a lot of my clients, they have me as their coach. And then they also have a therapist because it is my job to hold you accountable to the things that you say that you want. So if you want to stop tying your worth and identity to men and stop being a man pleaser, you need help on that self-love and boundaries area, then I would be the coach for you. And maybe one day that coaching relationship with you and I, yeah, it's just me and you right here, okay, <laughs> will happen one day. You can always reach out to me. My Instagram is open to you, baby girl. On Instagram, I am just me, Rika. And of course, I will put my name in the show notes. Oh yeah, and one more disclaimer. I will never tell you I'm an expert in this area. I am just speaking from my lens and what I learned by being in an abusive relationship, by not knowing myself, by not having self-love for myself and not knowing how to set a boundary to save my life, girl. So just remember that I'm speaking from my lens. And after 18 19 years of radio. September of 2020, I stepped down from my full-time radio job to focus on what God is calling me to do in this season. And this is it. I'm called to guide you, girl. I'm called to guide women who need to hear that singleness is not a punishment and you are worthy regardless of your relationship status. 
That's what I'm here for. So if that's you, you are at the right podcast. So here we go. Let's go ahead and get into the episode. Now, I want you to share this episode, especially if I say something that resonates with you. Share it with a girlfriend. Sharing is caring. Also, can you subscribe to this podcast? And every Wednesday and Thursday, you will be notified once a new episode drops. So definitely subscribe and rate. Rate this podcast. Okay, please. I don't know if you know how much it actually helps like a host like me, an influencer, how much a rating, a share, a like helps us. So please help this small business owner, me, Rika, that's me, (laughs) by rating this podcast as well. All right, that's it. I'm your host, Rika, and let's get into the episode. This is Single You, the podcast. All right, so it is my intention to guide women who need to hear that singleness is not a punishment and you are worthy regardless of your relationship status. That is this platform where I spew at you all the time that singleness is not a punishment, okay? All right, so I have a guest today. I have a guest, and I love this guest. Um, And it's not, okay, it is because I'm super biased about him um, because he graduated from the Howard University with me. We, not, I was gonna say live together. No, we didn't. (laughs) When I lived in Indianapolis, he was in Indianapolis. His name is Jay Hall, and he is a Detroit-bred Howard Bison multimedia culture critic, an abstract thinker who believes you ain't wrong when you're right. Okay, we're going to have to ask Jay Hall what that means. I don't know what that means. <laughs> and he wants you to know that his mother's cupcakes are fire. They are legendary. And, of course, we're going to put the link to his Twitter and his websites up um, before we end this conversation, but today's conversation, Jay Hall, welcome to Single You, the podcast live. Thank you so much for wanting to come on my platform. What up, Dalrika? What is going on? Okay, so today's topic, we are going to talk about, I just want to put it out there so everybody knows, but we're not going to jump right into it because we got some things we got to talk about when we was at Howard and whatnot. Okay. But you wrote a blog. When did you write this blog? Like last year, I think. And it was Confessions of a Former F-Boy, Your Toxic Journey. So I wanted to have this conversation um, so we can learn, so I can learn. um, These are the guys that we need to stay away from. And I wanted to bring this on my platform. But before we get into all of that, we went to Howard University together. And I was trying to remember some stories but I cannot remember. I mean, obviously, I know we were in radio together. We uh, started at WHBC, um, which is the Howard University student-run radio station. Um, that's how I got into radio. That's how you got into radio. But I don't have any, like, stories. Do you? Um, No, because I didn't even realize the common link that I know that you and I had was Rocco. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Rocco was everybody's guy. And when I was in Indiana, he was the one that was like, him and Conrad were the one that was like, yo, you need to holler at Rika. She's in Indiana. She's in Indiana. And I was like, Rika, Rika, Rika. And when I saw your picture, I was like, oh, yeah, because I just remember you always had that energy. Because if you remember, we were only on, like, in people's dorm rooms and in the hallway if you was in the basement. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just I just remember your energy. So I wasn't shocked at all that you was doing your thing and you've been doing your thing since. So, you know, congratulations on that also. Well, thank you. Thank you. And yeah, and so I went to 
uh, when I graduated from, uh, again, the Howard University. Yeah, uh, the, the, the. Right, exactly, the, with two E's, excuse me. Mm -hmm. By the way, how are you feeling about Howard right now? I feel like Howard is getting all the shine. How do you feel about that? I mean, I feel like it's just due. I think we were like the last generation that went when going to a black college was still kind of like an underworld. Yeah. Like nobody really, you know, it was all, you know, they were still like, you know, I don't want to go to black college because life just ain't black. And it's like life just ain't white either. Right. So now that it's just now that, you know, it's become cool. It's interesting to see everyone catch up to what we already knew. Right. A lot of like West Coast kids do not go. They they go to like UW here and Wazoo and Eastern and and no and no no shade to Eastern or Central because my parents went there, but my grandpa went to Morehouse and my grandma went to Tuskegee, so I always knew about HBCUs. At my church, I went to an AME church. Howard was they talked about HBCUs, right? We even have a, a black college tour when I was growing up in Seattle, and so I always knew about Howard, and I'm so thankful. My parents were not the parents who were afraid to let me leave because that's what happens. So West Coast kids are either afraid to go that far away because I get it, it's mm -hmm. 3,000 or so miles. They're either afraid or their parents are afraid. So they're like, just go to UW, which, yes, UW is a great school, but it ain't better than Howard, though. <laughs> no, you know, I, I told somebody not too long ago, you know, I... I didn't grow up in that kind of culture. I even know anything about HBCUs. You know, I found out about Howard simply because of Diddy, because I was a huge, you know, hip hop enthusiast. And every Source magazine article I read, he was always pumping Howard. And then when I found out that he didn't finish, I was like, yo, he's pumping the school hard for somebody who didn't finish. But he was the first person in hip hop culture that I heard praise college. Yeah. And so I was like, well, if he can go there and he can be who he is and he didn't finish, then what can I do if I go? And yeah, I started my journey, but I was the only one. When I told my folks I went to Howard, they was like, who's he? Because yeah. nobody knew what that environment was. Or, you know, that's the kind of environment I came from. But it's an amazing school, so I'm glad about the shine that it's getting. Exactly. Like, it's so crazy because I've never had more white people want to talk to me about Howard University. <laughs> <laughs> no shame. Listen, I love you too, okay? <laughs> But he's like, so did you go to school with Kamala? And I'm like, she's clearly 50. <laughs> clearly, clearly. I'm 37. So no, um, but thanks for asking. I mean, and of course they want to, did you pledge to, are you an AKA? Like they don't realize like if I was an AKA, you would know. <laughs> oh. Yo. It's, it's like when anything black come out is like, you know, that I remember that old episode of Martin. It was like, I just saw Boys in the Hood, Martin. I should know. Like, that's how I feel. Like, oh, you went to Howard at Hurst. Amazing. It's, it's been around since, you know what I mean, 1800. You know what I mean? Like, Google's your friend. But, yeah. Yeah. So, I, I am I'm definitely hype about the love that Howard's getting because it, they Howard deserves it. Um, mm -hmm. The students make Howard University, though. We do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the campus is dope, and I do have one day this dream of going back and buying some property around there, um, because that gentrification is crazy. When's the yeah, you plan like, to be rich? You said what? I said you plan to be rich. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, you didn't know that I was. I'm about to be mini Oprah. I've been I'm saying. Not, I'm, like, I believe you, Rika. I believe you. Listen, if I went, so I have a she shed in my backyard at this house that I own here. Okay. 
And in that she shed, I was out there like um, cleaning it up and getting organized because I'm putting it out in the universe that I will be moving soon because this Washington State snow and all of this is not for me. But um, I found my old like junior high yearbooks. And when I tell you my friend, you know how like in yearbooks you write in the yearbooks, right? And my friends are like, you're going to be Oprah Rika. Like you got this. Like it's so crazy to look back to see how little Rika was saying the same thing that she's saying now. Like I'm going to be this one day. And so, yes, I will be Oprah, mini Oprah. And I will go buy some property around Howard University and make it dorms for a few. Like if I could just help five students out, one student. Um, and help that neighborhood stay as black as possible. <laughs> like, that's what I want to do because I go back and I see poodles and all that. I'm just like, what is happening? Oh, no, it's real. It's, that was not the college that the area that I went to. I lived in Carver. And in Carver, half of half people who lived in Carver got robbed on that little walk going up and down. Dude. You know, a little infamous black van. And there was a spot called Cookie's Corner that all you had to have was a pulse and they'll sell you alcohol. Like, now you go there, it's roses. Yeah. You know, they're planting plants. Yeah. They're, yes. they're riding bikes. Right, right. And it's not to say I, I want it to stay, because I remember, do you remember when, I think it was our freshman year, when two people got shot? I mean, pick a year. Right. Like, I know one got shot and then left, and he was actually from Cali, and he never came back. And then the other one, damn, what was their names? But anyway, they got shot and the other one came back. I think he even sued Howard and got some money. But so I don't want it to be like that. But I do want what I liked about Howard. And then we'll, we'll move on to the topic. What I liked about Howard is being a kid that came from suburban America to be immersed in black culture and, and to be able to see myself in everything, in all shades of black all different cultures within blackness to know that, oh, black people can be doctors, lawyers, all of this, because back then, yeah, we're the generation who did get the first taste of social media, but it wasn't as big as it is now. So back then, all of the image that, images that I saw of black people outside of my family were negative, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So I had a negative connotation of what being black is, like, what does that mean? Da, 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 da. And so going to Howard definitely helped me with that. like. Oh, okay. We can be whatever we want to be, and we're excellent. Like that's when I started learning about Black excellence, um, and I want every student to have that experience when they go to Howard. And sometimes I think I'm like, uh oh, because <laughs> the neighborhood is changing. I don't know. I don't no, know. No, I agree. I agree with you. I mean, for me, I was already kind of like one of those young Black radicals, and Howard kind of confirmed everything that I was already being self-taught. So. You know, it was wonderful. And the thing about gentrification, when somebody, if they hear this conversation, they're like, well, you want it to remain bad. It's like, no, but how come the the area around couldn't be safe and secure when we was there? How come it only got to be safe and secure when white folks moved there? And how come it has to be totally expensive? So that is an issue when it comes to gentrification, when you hear me and Rika making these comments about that, because when we was there, none of y'all cared. Now that it become a trend, it's like, oh, there's police officers and, you know, we're going to let you walk your dog. And that is the BS. Yes. The only person I care, cared was Bill Gates. I'll give it to Microsoft. I will give it to Bill Gates. Okay. For going to how that's why there's actually a lot of Howard grads in Seattle. Because uh, Bill Gates be like, okay, so I need some black people. <laughs> I go to that, like every year. So I will say there is a true funnel from Howard University to uh, work at Microsoft. Because uh, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but Seattle is a mini um silicon valley like i know that california gets all that love but seattle has 
Microsoft, um, uh, T-Mobile, uh, Amazon, obviously. Um, it, like Seattle is a little nice little hub and that's why Seattle unfortunately is too expensive to live in. You win a Super Bowl and now everybody wanna be in Seattle. Go Hawks. Okay, let's get into it because I'm excited for this. So, um, hello, okay, uh, Parnella says, what up? Jonathan says, what up? Mindy said, hello, welcome, sir. I love that, so proper. Welcome, sir. <laughs> Alicia, she's watching from Jacksonville, Florida. Um, yes, I love that you guys are watching. And if you have any questions, as we move along through this conversation, uh, definitely put it in the comment section. And if we have time, we will get to it, okay? So, all right, Confessions of a Former F-Boy, My Toxic Journey, that is the title that you gave your blog um, that you released sometime next year. Hold on, let me turn this banner off, there we go. Okay, so my first question to you is, why did you write the blog? Why were you like, I need to get this off my chest. People need to know what I used to do. Like, why? <laughs> well, okay. So first of all, the blog is called Walks and Choose Bubblegum. And I created it about three, four years ago because like most online writers, you know, I needed to have a platform where my writing was while I was looking for a job. That's simple how I started. And yeah. Walks and Choose Bubblegum just come from the right up. I, I didn't want to talk about a particular thing. I just, whatever random came to my head. Now, how the Confessions of an Airboy just peace even came to be is something I had been kind of toying with and developing for some months before I wrote it, maybe even a year, close to a year. And I wanted to find a way to articulate my, my, my story and my journey and how, to, how did I get there? And I was trying to execute it in a proper way, you know, without trying to play like a, a blame game and also holding accountability. But I also want to showcase that how these things come to be because people don't wake up as villains. Right. You know I mean? They don't wake up and just decide that, yo, today's the day I'm going to F over, you know? And I wanted to show how sometimes people can unintentionally raise people to be walk like this. You know what I mean? And I was one of them and I wanted to tell that story and also make my confession in that, you know, I'm in that journey. How did I get there? So, yeah. Well, good for you for like, being vulnerable enough, vulnerable enough uh, to share your story because I feel like a lot of people, I mean, I know this, you know, everybody knows this. A lot of people will not share um, when they've messed up, uh, when they made bad choices. Um, it, they won't share their story. And we all have these stories, right? That's, that's really the beauty of it. Like we all kind of, we all have these stories somehow, some way. And if we actually shared, we would realize that more um, and actually just come together as a community more. So let's go back to little little Jay, little Jay Hall. That's all I know you as a Jay Hall. What is your, your mom did not name you Jay. Yeah, she did, man. She was real tired. So she ain't had time for no fantastic names or nothing like that. But um, no, my first name is Will. My middle name is Jay. And it was always a Will in class and it was always a Jay in class. So I never told nobody listen, you know, trying to be cool, just call me Jay Hall. It's just that when I would come to a school, and I bounced around schools a lot. And so whenever I would go to school, there'd always be a Jay in class or always be a Will. And so there are people at Howard, if you were in the school to see, you called me Will because there was another Jay there. There was like three or four Jays in the school to see alone. So yeah, there's a pocket people, there's a pocket people who call me um, Will there. So yeah, Will Jay Hall is my name. Um, yeah. So side yeah. <laughs> just a sidebar, parenthesis real quick. Mm -hmm. Because it's funny about names, right? So my name is Rika, obviously. 
and nobody ever had my name, nobody. And I used to tell my dad, <laughs> I was like, damn, when I turned 18, I'm changing my name. You gave me the dumbest name ever. Like, no, ask my dad to this day. He's still like, and I asked him as I got older, like, did I ever hurt your feelings? And he was like, no, I knew you wasn't a banjo man. <laughs> like, whatever. Um, so it's, yeah, it's funny about names. Like every, your name, very popular. Everybody has it. Mine. No, nobody had, I even wanted like um, a nickname. Like when I, when, when I started at uh, WHBC, cause everybody always, everybody had like Southern comfort or some radio name. And I was like, I don't get a radio name. I want a radio name. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's radio name was like track seven of somebody's album. Yeah. I know what you talk about. Right. You know exactly what you talk about. Right, right. And they were like, your name uh, it's a radio name. So anyway, all right. So let's go back to Lil, Lil Will then. Um, when you were running the streets in Detroit, you, you wrote about how the misses would alarm you to like fast girls and stuff like that, right? So I always ask my clients, I always talk about um, how we never had these conversations about what makes a healthy relationship versus unhealthy. It sounds like the older people in your life were having conversations with you about relationships. They just didn't have a healthy outlook on them. So talk about that when you're younger and you're growing up, what the women would tell you about fast girls and what the men would tell you about girls and how you should handle them. Okay. Well, first it, it was, so it was a collection of women. It was, you know, big sisters, it was, you know, older women, middle-aged women, because I, I came from a single-parent household, and I came from a block where everybody took care of each other. So, you know, I was the kid that got dropped off at school before the teachers, and I left after the teachers because my mom always had to work. And it was always somebody from my neighborhood picking me up from school. So, and coming from the block that I was coming from, you know, everything was about teaching you survival. You know what I mean? When I look back on it, it was like, you have to be able to take care of yourself. And when you coming from a drug infested neighborhood in the 80s and the 90s, you kept hearing these stories about people who were getting either killed, locked up or robbed or stabbed. And a good half of the stories, there was always a woman involved, you know. And so in that area, it was about, yo, you this young black man. When you go out, you're going to like girls, you know, watch out for those fast girls because they're going to get you. And they were saying that to me because they were trying. I look back on it. They were trying to protect me. I don't think necessarily. It always came from a bad relationship necessarily, but it was there were a lot of us who wasn't coming home because you did hear those stories about, you know, the drug dealers or just people who had a little money going on dates and then, you know, not coming home. And so that's where it started, I think, in my elementary school years when it came to the women. The the men, you know, they were just trying to talk to me about what passing on what they knew through generations. You know, this is this is all they know, so they're gonna give this to me. And it wasn't a lot of talk. It was a lot of little stuff with action. So whenever you seen something that was wrong, it was like, hey, don't do that. Don't be that guy. Because you see how he ended up? Then don't do that. So you got a lot of that. Yeah, like he he was being um, too emotional. Don't get too attached. Is that they, they were telling you that? And to be honest with you, everybody was telling me that. But yeah, I can definitely say that the men were telling me, like, don't get caught up in that. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it, anytime you saw like something that was domestic, like you saw a bunch of yelling, you know, even before it turned violent, when you just heard couples yelling at each other, it was like, don't do all that. You see that right there? Don't don't be that guy. 
Because that guy right there, he didn't saw her cheating like five times and he keep coming back. So you don't want to be him. And I'm looking at him like, you're right. I don't want to be him. You know what I'm saying? So it's just, it was real easy. Yeah, yeah. But but what do you think that taught you? How did that come out as you're getting older and you do like girls? And now you're in a sea of women at Howard University. And how how are you maneuvering through your relationships? Did you not trust us? You know, it was amazing about that because you know, I don't know if you noticed about me. I actually, I transferred to Howard. So I came to Howard at like 21. So I was out in the, in the world for a couple years. And I always had one foot in a good life. And all my friends were deciding that they were going to like hit the streets real hard. And I was associated with them. And so I got to a point in my life where I wanted to make a decision. And so I was like, I'm, on, I'm going to try this college thing full time because I was just going part time. A lot of my friends were just taking half of the money from a school loan and they were flipping it. And then after a while, they weren't even going to class no more. So when I got to Howard, the first thing I said was, yo, this is paradise. I remember I had a homeboy sitting down and he was upset about a girl who broke his heart. And I said, you know, what happened? He said, man, this girl, man, she, we sitting right there on the bench. She's like, man, she tripping. I said, I said, did she, did she, you know, did she say you had a baby bar or something? He's like, no. And I was like, oh, well, did she try to set you up? He was like, no. I was like, well, what's the problem? He was like, she messing with a football player. I'm like, that's it? And so I realized, so for me, my 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 extreme was like this. Yeah. So I was just like, that's, that's all you upset about is that she just chooses somebody else? Because that wasn't my upbringing. That wasn't my come up. You know what I mean? Like where I was coming from in my around my folks and my people's, it was either you found somebody who was extremely nice or you was out and anything can happen. You know, her ex-boyfriend was upset. You always had to deal with something. And so when I got to Howard, I was like, this is utopia. I'm, I'm, I'm in it to win it. This is cool. So yeah, I trust it, but it was more like, I also knew that this wasn't the real world because I had spent time in the world. So for me, because I came out there off a thread, I really had to work to stay at Howard. So I wasn't really trying to invest myself emotionally because I didn't want to go back to where I came from. That's what I was gonna say. So you were you you felt like Howard wasn't the real world, like that that experience wasn't real at all. It was a universal world, but I knew that once those once we crossed that stage, it was gonna get real because it had just got it. It was already real for me. Yeah, so I had to do whatever I had to do to stay at Howard. I had to be my focus, and I didn't want to allow myself to get wrapped up emotionally. Which was I look back and I could have found a way to figure that out, but back then I had to hit ground to the pavement you know, get on my studies or whatever. And if I mess with a girl, I never was going to make, make me too serious with her. Wow. Did she know that? Like when you mess with girls, would you tell them like, yo, this ain't going yeah, that, and that was the odd thing to me too. Like when I was in school, it was, it was a lot of dudes lying. I didn't understand why. Because honestly, you no, know, because it was so many women. And I mean, truthfully, how are women were telling you what was up? Like nobody was, nobody was, there was no reason. We all, the, the, the campus is not that big. You know what I'm saying? So it's not hard to see you coming out the towers with another woman. So I didn't understand why even some of my friends would be like, I got a girlfriend, but then lie over here when you're going to walk that small yard, she's going to see you. So for me, I always let somebody know what it was like up front, but that's still no excuse so far as maybe my tone and how I handle it. You know what I mean? My attitude towards it and everything like that, because just because you tell somebody up front doesn't still give you the license to treat them a certain type of way. True, but I will say this. So so last week um, I had my friend Caitlin Herman on and we talked about never let a guy save you for later. So I'm curious to know when you would tell these 
um, hey, listen, I don't want a serious relationship or whatever you would say. Did they believe you or did they try to make you somebody they can actually commit to or, or make you the guy who wanted to commit to them? I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure some of them believe me and maybe some of them didn't, to be honest with you, you know, looking back on it, because I can't necessarily say I remember everything, unfortunately, but I'm pretty pretty sure that there was somebody because here's the thing, like just like guys don't technically want to believe a woman when she says something, you know, it's the same thing with women. Sometimes they don't want to believe it's like, oh, okay, well, if I stay around, he'll come along. And and I've seen my homegirls do that with the men, too. So I'm not going to act like somebody didn't feel that way about me. Right, 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 right. So you see where I'm coming from when I say that, right? And so that's why I tell um, a lot of my clients on my podcast and what have you is like, when, when he tells you who he is, believe him. You have to. Absolutely. So you, you get to, Ayanna Van Zandt explains it like this. You don't get to tell somebody how to love you. You get to see how they are loving and then you decide if you want to participate in that. So for instance, if somebody like Jay Hall tells you, listen, I, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that's, how was, that's how I was. Go ahead. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. No, let, let me let me see it. Go ahead. Okay, so this is how y'all talked to Howard. Like, okay. okay 2000, 2003. Go ahead. Right. Especially if you from New York, the rubbing the hands. Okay. So yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, I ain't trying to, you know, baby girl, I ain't trying to get like serious or nothing, but dang shorty, you fine though. Like, mm-hmm. so <laughs> and, then, and then lean back and then lean back and wait. <laughs> that's what it was (laughs) so like um so now i know like obviously that ain't the map that ain't where i want to go and so you also um wrote on your blog confessions of a former f-boy that the um so i have my notes over here so if you see me looking or typing it's because i'm taking notes because i just have so many questions for you um (laughs) the the men in your life preach to you that god created women for man's service and enjoyment. So what does that mean? What what, do you, what did that mean to you as a young man growing up, that women are only for your service and enjoyment? I mean, everybody was using the Bible to justify their actions. Yeah. That's honestly where it comes from. I mean, you know, when you come up in any kind of community, a lot of times the minister or the pastor is also the person that's fixing your car is also the person that works at the factory that's next door to you and everything. And they always will use these loose Bible quotes, you know, for their actions. Like, you know, women are here for us and, you know, Eve was created for Adam and it will always justify their actions in that sense. Now for me, you know, and you and I have had these conversations offline. I never really subscribed to a lot of traditional idealism, even when I was younger and I wasn't able to articulate my discomfort with it. You know, when I would hear it, it just wouldn't feel right. Like, they here to service me. I don't, what? I, it, it just didn't feel right. So I didn't have the brain power to necessarily combat them. I would just sit there and listen. But as far as my viewing point of that, it did look like it gave a lot of them the license to behave how they want. And it also gave a lot of the women that was come around their reasoning to judge because they were holding on to those same biblical quotes also too as the men were. And they were using it to judge the quote unquote fast girls and blaming a young girl who might have developed over a couple summers. And now she's fast because your husband is looking at her. And that, right. to me, that was an issue. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, I, I, it's interesting because in your, your, your blog, you wrote as well. Like, the older women would call young women fast because they had hips. Like, that's just my natural body. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Fast. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. So, the, but I see like I didn't see that a lot growing up. Um, but obviously, movies and you know, reading your blog and like just hearing other people, I know that that's a term that they would say. Like, oh, she fast. She's fast. Yeah, fast girl's been around since before you and I were both born. So right. I'm not gonna act like that came along with me. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. So, do you feel like as you were dating in your twenties? that you that you treated women as such like they were just for your service and pleasure yeah i definitely did I, you know it, it was hot or cold i was telling a friend about this not too long ago it was hot or cold so if i liked you right then it was like okay cool i want this girl to be my girlfriend then you got the best of me or my best attempt mm-hmm. if you were just there then it was just kind of like all right well we do what we do and i'm gonna keep on moving yeah and that's just what it was. It wasn't no medium. Now, I will say going to Howard taught me a lot of medium because, again, I want to stress I had two different type of lives. You know, what I mean, my life wasn't the traditional. I can't you know, I, I didn't get an open house and I wasn't 18 and my family sent me off. It wasn't like that. Like I literally fell into D.C. and it came into my last, you know. And so for me, when I got to Howard, Howard taught me a lot of great area that it didn't have to be so cold. It didn't have to be so. You know, sure. You know, you can have somebody and y'all can be casual and have an understanding, like, and all of those practices and stuff like that. So I did learn that while I was in school because the one thing that doesn't get talked about enough with you in college is the cultural lessons that you learn. You know what I mean? But when I was in the streets back home, it was it was hot or cold. This is how you treat it. This is how you do. And there is no discussion about it. Yeah. Yeah, because with me growing up, how I grew up, I don't need all that. I don't need cold. I don't need, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, we don't have the same mindset when it comes to relationships and dating because we were raised differently Mm -hmm. Um, so i know for you 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 when i asked you did anybody ever have a conversation with you about what makes a healthy relationship versus unhealthy you said yeah it was just never put your hands on a woman but outside of that i don't do you feel like you had the tools before howard before you started learning to even know how to date what does that look like what does a healthy relationship look like yeah the problem with so, you know, you I got taught how to date. I got taught how to treat a woman. Like, my mother was big. Like, I was three years old opening doors, and I still remember the doors was mad heavy. My mom was like, you're going to open that door. Um, <laughs> so, I, you know I mean, I, I, got, I got taught those basics. But here's the thing that I try to stress. The problem was it was a judgmental aspect to it. It was someone, a woman had to act a certain type of way to get that type of treatment. Ooh, you understand? Yeah. So if she wasn't acting in a proper way, then she does not deserve that type of treatment. Now, if she's coming and she's very, you know, she doesn't sleep with a lot of men and she, you know, and she's not that fast or whatever the case may be, then you treat her with the utmost respect. You take her out as flowers and candies. But if she do this on the first night and she do all that, then you, you give her nothing. Don't bring that. Don't bring her around. Don't bring her home. Don't do nothing. So yeah. that was I, that's the problematic part that I say. Because a lot of the gentlemen that probably that probably hear me right now, they know what I'm talking about. Like it's not like we wasn't taught to treat women good. You were. Because if someone put their hands on a woman on, on our block, yeah. men will come handle that. You understand? Right. But the problem is, is this this, this 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 idea that a woman had to act a certain type of way. And what is that certain type of way? Yeah. Like, who, who is the, the judgment squad to say like, oh, check off, and she can't right. act a type of way? You know, especially, let's be honest, you know, we're going to be frank, especially when it comes to black women. Because we white women get so many different various personalities be shown on TV versus the black woman. She's either over-sexualized or she's, or she's like, you know, very virtuous. I, I was just telling somebody the other day about how 
looking at Martin and Gina, Gina's character was the first character I saw on TV where a woman was sexy in business. Because before that, she was either asexual or she was too sexual and she was, you know, throwing them amongst black women as far as when I was coming up. And so that's the issue that I can point out to you, Rika. Yeah. That w- so for us, we either have Cardi B or Michelle Obama. There's no in between, right? Like you're not allowed to be, if you Cardi, then you're the one who doesn't get the doors open for her. But if you, mm-hmm. Michelle Obama, mm-hmm. well, so you're right. It's like, who gets to decide that? Right. And so I feel like as women, we are raised and the only conversations we had being the millennial children um, in the 80s and 90s was if he puts your hands on you, that's abuse. Mm-hmm. But they didn't describe any other thing, yeah. right? Like nothing else. So we didn't know what to listen for and watch out for when a man tells us he's not looking for something serious. He just wants to have friends with benefits or whatever the case may be. We didn't know. Um, to watch out for that. So I, cause I remember being 16 or 17. Oh, if he put my hands on me, I would never, that he would da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. But I've let men disrespect me over and over again um, because I didn't know that there were other forms of abuse because these conversations weren't having. And so that's why I titled this episode, I dated, I dated him and you did too, because now I look back and, and I'm not the girl who ever, when I talk about my abusive ex, I never sit in a seat of I was a victim. Um, I chose that relationship. Um, it wasn't the right choice, um, but I didn't know that until I was got out of that relationship. Like, oh, this was not healthy. So I feel like, and you can you can help me walk through this, but I feel like be, the reason why he treated me as such, even though he didn't hit me, and yeah, he opened doors a couple of times. But the reason why he treated me as such is because this is how he was raised. Yeah, you can make an argument for that because a lot there's a lot of validation for toxic behavior. And it, it's kind of like people don't necessarily understand that when you side with someone who is toxic, you're all you're doing is just pandering them and you're 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 making the situation worse. Now here's something else too. A lot of times you don't know, because listen. I never put my hands on a woman. Every every interaction I had with a woman was consensual. I never was some. I never called a woman to be like I was never like get out my face. I never. So for me, I walked around for years not thinking I was toxic. That me coming to the realization that I had a problematic issue, I could have sat on my hands and maybe I probably never would have got accused of it. If you really want to be honest, but for me, I'm always a type of person who wants to do a deep dive. And when I did a deep dive for myself, I'm like, nah, because even when I turned the blind eye. To my homeboy's behavior, that was still participating in it. That was still allowing him when he would come back to me and tell me what he did. Or I got a homegirl who boyfriend is treating her like trash and she don't feel like she can come to me because I'm already talking about this girl over here. It's stupid for going back to her dude. I'm creating a universe of that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so I had to understand that because just because I didn't necessarily participate, I still had brothers who was doing that. I still had homeboys or whatever along with the stuff that I just mentioned to you. Right, right. You know and so the only thing that probably kept me at bay, and this is the part that I wanted to write about in order to be vulnerable, is because a lot of times us men, we get seeds planted in us and we don't let them harvest. So my grandmother was the one who treated everybody the same. It didn't matter who you were. And I was always probably unintentional or, you know, or scared to allow that part that she gave me to to harvest and be okay because the problem is because 
I don't have a lot of practice being vulnerable. And a lot of men, they say they would tell you the same thing that when we are vulnerable and we get hurt, our recovery is not good. We're like, oh, F it. You know what? I tried to be nice. This is what I got. F it. Meanwhile, yeah. you probably got your first heartbreak at nine. So you are way more schooled in the art of heartbreaking, probably stereotypically than I am. My heart, my first heartbreak, I'm taking, I'm about to change my whole life. Yeah. Issue, yeah. That's an issue too. Yeah. Well, and unfortunately they say, right, statistically that women are more um, introspective than men. Um, and cause we want to figure out why, like, why did that happen? Right. Where you guys will be like, like you said, Oh, I got my heart broken. I'm never doing that again. <laughs> like, um, and you don't think about how you've treated women like you have. Um, and so Mindy says, I believe, you know, how you are raised is how you will be in relationships. Yes. But that is not an excuse to not do the work. It is not your fault for how you were raised, how people treated you. But when you get older, especially now in this new era of us millennials pushing this mental health matters, we need to be having these conversations. It is now your job by the time you hit 18 to start working on yourself just like you did. Like, do you encourage men? Um, and obviously I know the answer, but I want to hear it from you. <laughs> do you encourage your friends, men, whoever, um, to start being introspective and doing that work and, and figuring out um, why they do the things that they do and we have to treat women better um, and this is how you do it. Yeah, to be honest with you, I, I kind of stay away from any type of generalization, generalization excuse me, <laughs> and thinking like, you know, men behave like this and kind of like women behave like that. I, I try to stay away from as much as possible because Honestly, I'm a believer that most of the, our behaviors come from, you know, social conditioning. We've been conditioned to perform and act a certain type of way because there's been times where I might have been vulnerable or a friend of mine might have been vulnerable as a man. And the woman wasn't accepting to it because she was like, you a man. You ain't supposed to be acting like that. You might you supposed to only cry when your mama died. You understand? And we also got to get an understanding that everybody's vulnerability journey is not going to be the same. The problem is we hold on to what we have. And because it doesn't look like what we identify then we say men are vulnerable, but they probably were being vulnerable when they showed you where they were from or where they was driving around or where they played their favorite song. That is a form of vulnerability. But if you go and buy a romantic comedy and you think the vulnerability is supposed to be him standing in the rain holding on a radio box that he's going to get shot and electrified with, then you're you're missing the vulnerability that he's giving you. And then meanwhile, he's seeing that you're not receiving the vulnerability he's just And both y'all are just upset. Right. And so, yeah, you do have to do the work still within yourself and you still have to understand that I, I really do believe that people really want to be better people. I mean, you can call it optimism or whatever, but I think people want to do the better people, but you got to know that there's a problem there. And there, and there it is. Cause I was going to say, Ooh, sometimes I just, I think people don't even know that they need to be better people. Um, so you, like you said, the first step to getting better is knowing there's a problem there. You have to know, just like you said, oh, I'm being, I have been a toxic boyfriend, even though I've never put my hands on anybody. What I was doing um, wasn't right. And I want to get into like some of the things that you were doing mm -hmm. that uh, we as women should watch out for. Um, but this whole conversation is set up to say, if I would have asked, there are six areas that I, 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 now have discussions about in getting to know men. There's six uh, topics of discussion. Spirituality, sexuality, money, communication, family and relationships, and past relationships, right? And if I would have 
had these conversations with my abusive ex, my $10,000 boyfriend, then those relationships wouldn't have lasted as long as they did because I would have realized our value systems are different. The way that you view relationships are different than I view. And that there's no right or wrong here. I'm just saying what I said earlier that Ayama Van Zant says, I get to see how you were, I don't get to tell you how to love me or how to be loving or whatever. I just get to see how you are loving, how you are as a person. And then I get to choose if I want to take part in that or not. It's my decision, right? But we hop into these relationships um, not knowing that we need to really get to know you first. Who is Jay Hall? Who is Rika? Because if I don't know you, then that's when we, that's when I'm expecting you to stand in the rain with your boom box. But you're, you don't do that. You drive me around. You're like, oh, this is my favorite song. Oh, this is my song when I was seven or, you know, my favorite song when I was seven or whatever. Like your vulnerability looks different than what I expect mm-hmm. because I don't know you because we never had these conversations. And that's where we get in trouble because yeah. we know each other. And we just talking about, oh, I love him. I love, what? Who is he? Who is he? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and who are you? I, I just think a lot of us don't even know who we are as a person because we never sit with ourselves, right? Like I, a lot of what I find with a lot of my clients, and this was me, so I have no judgment on anybody. I'm just saying what I know happened with me. And if you resonate, great. Um, but I didn't even know I was supposed to ask myself questions. Like I didn't know that I was supposed to sit down and like, really figure out who I was. I just thought I already knew who I was because I'm me. But there's a quote that I love. I'm a quote hoarder. I have them all around my house um, that says the quality of your life is determined by the quality of questions you ask it. That's a bar. So good, isn't it? So good. And it's so true. Um, So you have to get to know who you are or you will find yourself in relationships that are toxic for you. Um, And I think we were talking about this before we got on the live. Again, I don't call myself a victim and I don't even hate my exes. I did when we first broke up, of course, um, because I was like, F you, I didn't, you know, like, how dare you, da, da, da. But then when I went on my journey, it's like, oh, that baby was hurting or he wasn't taught right or he didn't know any better. Because um, I just don't believe that it is most people's, I'm not going to say all because I don't like speaking in absolutes. I don't believe, well, I'll just speak for them. I don't believe my abusive ex and my $10,000 boyfriend set out to abuse me. I don't think they were like, you know what I'm about to do today? Abuse Ruben. <laughs> they were just operating from the space that they just knew. They didn't know life either. I didn't know life. They didn't know life. So we just weren't meant for each other, which is why the relationship was toxic. So now I want to ask you, why do you believe that you were toxic? Like, why do you think, you know, why? Why? Like, give us some some tips that maybe we need to look out for that you did that we should watch out for, um, because that's a big statement to say. Yo, I was toxic in that relationship. So what really happened was I had a one. You know, anybody who know me know that my friends are my family. I, I don't. You know, blood means nothing to me. My friends are my family. And what really happened was one of my really close homegirls was telling me about one of my friends who was just all effed up to her and I was there and the fact that she still talks about it and then I was getting into several conversations with some of my homegirls who was like yeah you know this dude did this and you know just really listening and then it was like 
this guy did this, this guy did that. And a lot of them, they didn't come talk to me. Like they told me later, you know what I mean? And I'm like, well, why did you tell me then when it was going or whatever? They was like, well, you was doing this over here. Like, and it just made me realize like, well, if I was hanging around this person, there's no way I was, I was totally innocent. Cause that's just not how I was raised to believe. And so I realized that some of the stuff, like some of the nuggets, I was toxic, like not checking my man when he was yelling at his girl. You know what I mean? Like I can, I can hear him yelling at her as if he's about to hit her, but I'm guess I'm going off the technicality that he didn't hit her. So everything is fine. Yeah. But instead of just being like, yo, why are you raising your voice like that? You know, and understanding delayed trauma. And to be honest with you, Rika, I don't necessarily have a particular thing that I can tell you. I'm just somebody who was like, well, if I came up in a certain type of way, there's a good chance that I was probably acting like that too. You know what I mean? Because I can't necessarily remember everything, but I, there's a good chance I probably was acting like that. You know, I was definitely, you know, cold or I was definitely, I put up walls where I didn't let everybody in. You know what I mean? And that still had an effect on those who probably loved me. And I'm not saying they didn't have the issues either. And we didn't, you know, because listen, there's a difference between when people are just dating and sometimes it just don't work out. And I don't think sometimes we're having that conversation that like dating, you're going to, it's, it's trial and error. Every dating experience is not going to be a Taylor Swift album where you got the, you know what I mean? It's like this, 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 this going with the wind. I vow that I'm not like every situation. Like sometimes it just don't work out. Yo, it's fine. Like it's totally okay. It doesn't require you to write a whole think piece of it. Sometimes it just does not work out. But the toxic part is about, I wasn't considering your feelings. When I said what I said, like I, I didn't even check my own words. I just say I'm done with you and I hang up the phone. Or you're you're claiming to have an anxiety attack and I don't care. I'm like, all right, well, call me when you're done with that. Because I don't know what it, I'm, I don't know what an anxiety attack is, honestly. You know what I'm saying? So I like no one ever told me what an anxiety attack is. Right. And, and I want to mention this too, real quick, is one of the reasons why I wrote this and I'm I've been so big about speaking about this is that especially, let's be honest, especially when it comes to black people, it's not a lot of us that have like wealth heritage to pass on. So we're not leaning on money or financial stuff. We're leaning on our moral code and what people taught us. So the people that taught us, we love them. And if you black, being black is all about the complexity. You're, the person is was wrong at three o'clock, but they treated you right at five o'clock. That is part of the black experience. It's, it's not just one thing. And so a lot of us are holding on to the people we love and not realizing that the lessons they taught us may not have been good. And so when you see somebody defending their action, just like when someone would defend misogyny or patriarchy and all that stuff, that's because their uncle taught them that, their mom taught them that, and they hold on to that. It was, it's the same thing 10 years ago when people were saying they were against gay marriage. They were holding on to what their grandparents had taught them. They didn't really think, yo, why should you care about two same-sex people getting married? They wasn't thinking on that level. They were being committed to someone who gave them something and is probably no longer here. And, that, and that's part of our experience. Yeah. And I do think it's, it's beautiful at the end of the blog you wrote, like you can still respect them, but let what they taught you go. Like you don't have to navigate in that space. And you're so right. We think that I have to hold on to what they taught me because that means that I love my great grandma the best or whatever. Mm-hmm. When you can be like, you know what? It was cool, I guess, for that time that it was in. But we don't we don't need to 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 operate on that level anymore. So I love, I love Big Mama's cooking, but I can't use all that sugar. That's just that's just the truth of the matter. Like I just can't use all that sugar. I can't. I gotta start looking at other stuff, Big Mama. You know what I'm saying? Maybe the sugar you had was a lot healthier, but now it got to me and it's bad, Big Mama. So I can't cook like you. So right. you have to take out the bad 
understand why they told you what, why, why they taught you what they taught you. They were giving you what they had. Yeah. And it's up to you to do better with that. That's just simple as plain. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's just like for women, I think Cameo and Carla, who, you know, who went to Howard as well. I think we were talking about this or, you know, cause I'm always talking about relationships and where we as women are, but for women, the reason why the, um, I feel worthy when I get picked. I have to be married. That's the goal in life for women is because back in the day, we had to be married in order to own a house, a credit card, to live life. Like you literally were the scum of the earth if you were a single woman at 35. Um, and so some of that is still lingering in our society. And I am here in my lifetime to hopefully erase all of that. Um, you don't have to be married to be, you're worthy regardless of your relationship status. So it's like, yes, we have to let go a lot of these toxic traditions that we were taught and we can love them anyway. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a, yeah. It's a, it's a plus, not a validation. Yeah. 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 That's what it is. If you find somebody and you guys can work that out, oh, you know, be married and, 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 and do, do you all that good stuff. Because people should, especially black women in particular, it should not that your comment to her should not be, well, that's why you're single. And and mic drop. Like we gotta stop all of us, we gotta like kind of stop doing that. You know what I mean? Because again, we want they're they're about to read, they're about to come out again with sex in the city again. And they're about in their late 50s and everything is fine. Okay. <laughs> okay. But we can't, but it's like with girlfriends, it was like, oh man, this is why da 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 da. da. It's like it doesn't apply the same thing with black women, and we gotta. Within our own self, we got to kind of stop that and stop participating in that because it's not cool. Because who created these rules? Yeah. Who sat there and created these rules? They, these are the same people who created these rules when it came to racism as me as a black man. So if I'm going to be so hard and opposing to those things that put restrictions on me as a black man, then how come I can't see what is also doing to the black woman that's standing next to me? Yeah, facts. I mean, I, I don't know. I think for a while you were on hiatus because you was doing your little retreat. When we were on Clubhouse, <laughs> yep, I'm, I'm, <laughs> Jay Hawley going on retreat. I don't know if anybody knows this. But it was Jay a trap sabbatical, Rika. <laughs> okay? It's a trap sabbatical. Oh. I ain't got it like you. I can't take a full year and all that other stuff and reinvent myself. See, Rika out here playing with y'all. See, I'm trying to be nice because we know each other, but you know, I can't reinvent myself after 368 days. I got rent to pay. You don't see, you see these are pictures hanging up on a pen. This ain't no portrait. Yes. I ain't got it like that. First of all, my solo trip was 10 days. Not in okay? I couldn't eat, pray, love. I couldn't do it for real, for real. Um, <laughs> so it was a 10-day trip in 2017. So I mouth. Um, But okay. I missed a lot of the clubhouse where that's what men would tell us. Like these... I don't even want to label them what we did, but <laughs> um, but they they would say that to us when we would speak our opinion on what we wanted in men. They would be like, oh, well, that's why you're single. Because you're the prize. Like, I don't know if you saw. I feel like this is an old article, though, but it's resurfacing because Halle Berry is speaking up about how much she has to pay her ex-husband and child support. Okay. And some, I think it was on the shade room or something. And somebody was like, oh, that's why Holly Berry can't keep a man. And she said, who said I wanted to keep them? Like we, we are so caught up in relationships shouldn't end. That when they do, we look at the women sideways. Like how come she's had 10 boyfriends, but ain't nobody talking about Leonardo DiCaprio. 
Nah, and nobody said nothing bad about Cher all those years. When I was growing up as a child, Cher was dating men that was like 19 damn near, and no one said nothing about her, can't keep a man. Like, she was praised. We are treated the worst. And I do get that question all, or not that question, that dick. Like, they think it's a dig. Now I've learned to say, when they're like, oh, that's why you're single, I go, thank you. Oh, I have standards. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and I, I'll get that a lot too. Oh, you're too picky or you're never going to find a man like this. Okay. My dogs are barking at the wind. Okay. All right, everybody. <laughs> but I do get that a lot. And it's interesting to me. And Charles said, that's a good question. Who created these so-called norms? And again, it comes from the Bible, unfortunately. And I, this is, I, and I'm a Christian. This is a girl who said, I'm a Christian. I am not a religious Christian though. Um, and that's a whole nother podcast, but that's where it comes from. Uh, people throwing the Bible at women and then the laws, that's where our laws were set from. Like in order to own a house, you have to have a husband in order to have a credit card you, that just ended maybe by the time my mom was 10 or 15 years old. So she didn't have to go through none of that. Um, but she did marry my dad at like 22. So either way it would have worked out for her, I guess, in that society, but that's where that comes from. And again, that's still lingering in this society. So I have a good question for you. Um, Mindy said, can you ever really know someone though? Um, and I think she made that comment when I said, I have my topics of discussion that I like to bring up when I'm getting to know a man. And mind you, <laughs> Rika Janelle Robinson has not dated. I have not even been touched by a guy in over two years. So okay, Rika. <laughs> It's not like I'm out here in these streets, like, yeah, all the time, you know. Um, so it'll be interesting when that happens, which is also why I'm not a dating coach, I'm a self-love coach. I help women discover their worth so that they can stop tying their worth and identity to men. And however you go out and execute that, that's on you. I am not a dating coach. Um, just because I haven't even been in that space for a while, but the self-love thing, I got that on lock. That boundary thing, I got that on lock. I got you with that. Um, so I would love to hear your answer. I, I, I'm thinking of an answer as well. It's percolating. Um, but just off top, do you think you can ever really get to know someone or truly know someone? Yeah. I mean, you can, you can get close enough. I mean, you have to be willing to come with a, with a real open ear and not be so committed to how you see and you view things. Um, I have a friend, a couple, I always tell both of them, I'm, I'm friends with both of them, and I love them, is that when I'm with one solo, I feel like I'm with the other still, you know, because they're just that in sync with one another. But I'm sure that took them years to get to and a place to get to and some vulnerability and some challenges that they don't have to tell me, but I'm just off common sense. You know, it, it, you got to have some patience. Is this person willing to do the work? Or show up. So as far as get to know somebody, I mean, you can come close enough. I, I don't know how much I want to know. If you, I mean, I don't know if I'm the person to really ask because, you know, but here's what I, I put a, a stamp on too, is that we got to stop asking these surface questions. Like you might ask, you know, and this is to any woman that's listening. I tell my homegirls this all the time. You might ask like, okay, what are your goals? Do you want to have kids? Do you want to get married? Do you want to get a job? Do you want all of this? Cool. That's cool. But won't you ask him how he feel about Kamala Harris or how he feel about women in the workplace or how, has he worked under a woman before? You know, how does he feel about when a woman gets promoted over him? You know, what I mean, things that are in your life, you need to ask about that. Like with me, when I'm 
dating a woman. I ask things like, do you believe a man should run a household? Do you believe it? Like, I want to know your perspective. Did you see what just happened? Did you see the Britney Spears documentary? And then sit back and listen. Like, ask about things that are going on. Like, those surface questions of just, like, kids and all that other stuff. That's cool, but that's, like, three minutes. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. And and then you just expect your feelings to drive the rest of the relationship. That's it. And then you get into a relationship with somebody who got a whole other perspective. He won't even want you raising your hand in church. You know what I mean? And you have to ask that. So ask that about yourself, because if you are a, what you may call like a vocal woman or if you are a Rika who has opinions and you are out there, whatever. But if you got a man who think like, oh, OK, that's just something you do because you're not married. And once you marry me, you're going to sit at home. Then y'all don't have an issue. But you probably can go years without even asking those kind of questions because of that. And also society doesn't make it easy on black women because. They put a lot of black women in desperation mode and some of them don't want to ask that because they get to the point where they're so happy they got someone who's giving them attention that they're scared to ask those kind of real straightforward, direct questions that's going to make someone think. And that's unfortunate also too. 100%. So the, the, the women I work with, my clients, and this is not to throw anybody under the bus because again, I've been here. You are afraid to ask questions because you don't want him to leave. You don't want that confrontation. You don't want him to get uncomfortable. You're like, I got to make, I got to walk on eggshells because I don't want to be single. Because once you hit 22 and a half, the world's like, so when you get married, when you get married, when you get married, when you get married. And so the pressure to get married is heavy. And then we internalize that and put the pressure on ourselves. So it's coming from both ways, but you are so right. So to answer the question, can you truly get to know somebody? Cause you know, people are changing every day. Um, yes, because character you this is why we have to ask these questions and i'm going through the motions of answering this question as i um as it got asked so when i'm dating the reason why i ask these questions more outside of so what's your favorite color when are you born when you're a cancer i'm a cancer (laughs) that means nothing right it's really about i need to know how you view the world I need to know how you see Jesus. I need to know how you see sex. I need to know how you see what at feminism. Like you said, Kamala Harris, did you vote for Trump? Cause I need to know. <laughs> like I have all of these questions. And if you did, why? If you didn't, why? And if you did vote for Trump, I will not date you. But I need to know past relationships. When I'm asking you, I, I listen for when, when we're talking about past relationships, are you always blaming the woman? Because that's what my exes did. It was all their fault. All of them. All, every, my abusive ex and my $10,000 boyfriend, they trashed their exes. Hmm. And my $10,000 boyfriend, which, mind you, went to Howard. Um, okay, Rika, we're going to talk. <laughs> you just gonna slide that in real quick like i wasn't gonna catch it like okay rika okay i didn't listen, know that all right listen to me and then so broke up with his ex came knocking back on my door talking about you because we we dated at howard came back about two and a half years ago um broke up with her trashed her the whole time took my money and then said, you know what? You have it two together and I'm still in love with my ex. Oh, you talking about the same one you trashed about a year ago when you came knocking back on my door. 
But this is my fault. I let a man I shouldn't have, but I fell for the fairy tale because every Howard girl wants to marry a Howard man. Like we just have this fairy tale, right? I'm over it now. But so this is why you have to know what good character is because the Bible talks about bad company corrupts good character. Therefore, Jesus is telling you, there are some people out here who ain't for you, boo-boo. Yes, they are my children, but he is not for you. Let me work on him. And you need to move over here. So we have to know what good character is. And then you look for that. You listen for that when you're asking questions outside of what's your favorite color? Do you like to travel? What's your favorite cereal? Like we, what are we talking about? This is, we supposed to do life together? And we yeah. do these questions like, and again, I am talking to the old Rika. So I don't want anybody to think I'm judging them or throwing them under the bus. But I, think of me as your homegirl in your head. These are the conversations we would have if I was your coach. What are you doing, sis? Yeah, and I also encourage people that when you are in those conversations, like sit sit on your hands for a second because the first few sentences might be a little rough and that person might be testing you to see how you're going to react because if you overreact, then you're not, again, you're, you're going to close the vulnerability door. Mm-hmm. So if they're telling you something, let them work that out because a lot of times people don't say things out loud that they've been thinking for years until someone asks them. Yeah. So give them an opportunity to kind of work that out too and and and, and kind of follow up with that also too. That's just something. And I, and I say that between both sexes, like you should do, or same sexes or in dating or whatever. Right, right, right. Um, and as we end this, because um, we have definitely gone over an hour, we could talk all day. I love this. Um, I do have one more question for you, but let me put a pen in that. When you are having these conversations, because like you said, sit on your hands for a second. So for those of you who don't know urban language, (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) You're like, sit on your hands. What does that mean, Jay Hall? I don't know. Hey, Um, listen, I'm not here to explain to white people. Do your Googles. I know. I understand. Uh, I'm just not. Right. But there was an episode I had with my cousin DJ on Single You, the podcast. So if you um, uh, have never listened to that episode again, Single You, the podcast, this is the live version, but the podcast is on Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. My cousin and I had that conversation. and. Um, it's called slow down the dating process because here's what happens. This is what women do. We, um, excuse me. All right. So women, we get asked out and especially if he's fine, we get excited. We we start daydreaming about, oh my God, he could be the one girl. We're calling our friends, girl. I think my butt getting big, like just getting too excited. Like he could be this and we start rushing the process. So then we're out on these dates and we're looking for a husband and we're not just dating and just getting to know people. That should be the joy of living. I'm just here to get to know you. Who is Jay Hall? Let's talk, you know? Um, And women, we skip that because we just get too excited. Our vagina, our hormones are going off. We don't want to be alone. We sad. We, We got asked out. Now I'm excited. I got picked. So we don't even know what questions to ask because again, these conversations we do not have. Nobody talked to us about this. Nobody. So if you want to have a healthy relationship, I would urge anybody. How are you going to get a healthy relationship if you don't even know what a healthy relationship is? You're not studying. You're not asking questions. You're not doing any of that. So if you need a coach, holla at your girl. Okay. So, <laughs> so I, is there any tips that you can give for women watching today who are sick of being played by men? Are there any tips, maybe two or three, that you can give that we need to be watching out for so we don't get played? Um, 
what kind of scenarios, maybe character traits, anything that comes to your mind, I would definitely love to hear it. Oh, well, if you don't have his own Netflix account, that's one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, keep it above with you. Like, if he's pause, wait a minute. Wait, I need to make sure I heard you correctly. You said a few. You said if he doesn't have his own Netflix account, Listen, Netflix. if his name is Michael Johnson, his Netflix account is, is Rika, and you're not asking those questions like who's Rika, like you know, that you see all those names across that screen when you go on there, you're not asking those questions. Like, I mean, it sounds it, okay, I get it, it can sound simple, but it's, it's, it's a simple thing, like seriously, like it's little things like that that you cannot be afraid to ask questions if you show up at somebody's house and you're seeing some stuff and it's not yours, like, and it's your first time going over there. You might want to just, you know, inquisit, like, okay, what's going on? Um, I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you, Rika. I don't necessarily like to say tell women, hey, yo, here's a tip, because I'm not out here to say this or that. Here's what I will say is that be unapologetic, you. If you are black, be unapologetic, black. If you are a woman in your sins, be who you are. Always do work within yourself. And just understand the difference between some things just don't work out versus looking for somebody who is all who's not going to accept you for who you are. Now, here's the thing. We all got to live with who we are, though, right? There's going there's a consequence to everything. So if you're going to be who you are, it might be a little longer. It might not be a little longer. I don't know. Some people hit it out. You know, Greek, we went to Howard. Some people got married soon. They crossed the stage and they still married right now. Some people got married soon. They crossed the stage and they got divorced six months later. Right. I, I can't give you a recipe for that. But what I can say is that as a human being, until you breathe your last breath, you should always be doing the work on yourself eternally. Not, you know, blaming yourself and being like, oh, and being down on yourself, but there should always be some work of improvement of your myth, your mental health, your physical, and everything of that. Okay. Now, if someone can accept that as you're improving on the journey, then that's probably not the person for you. It has to be somebody who is willing to go on that journey with you, not somebody who wants to holler at you and y'all said the bus stop because life moves as should you. Yeah, 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 exactly. And that's exactly why I say I'm not a dating coach. And what I want for my clients, right? So I give them the my my four steps to not being in a dysfunctional relationship is know who you are, know what you want, have the audacity to believe that you can get it and the patience to wait for it. One thing that my mom told me a long time ago, she'd been married to my dad. Yo, my dad's birthday was yesterday. He is 69. My dad said, I said, dad, what's it feel like to be 69? He said, I don't know. That's a weird number. Dad about to get it in. I died. I said, oh, did my dad just say that? Me, I don't know. That's a weird number. I said, okay, dad. <laughs> I'm sorry. Y'all get to know my dad. My dad is hilarious. Like, yeah, happy birthday to him. It was yesterday. But anyway, my mom, uh, she told me a lot. I don't know. I must have been. I wish I would have listened to her more, and I wish I would have asked more questions to my parents. But she said, one thing I will tell you, if your dad left me today, I would not die. I'd be sad, but I'd survive. That's how I want to move on this earth. Like, I don't need a man, no matter how much I love him, to survive. I need water and oxygen and food, and that is it. I do not need a man. And so we attach ourselves to these men that when they do leave us or they do break our heart or they do not meet our expectations, we get so 
devastated and heartbroken. That's why I say I'm here to help women discover their worth so they so that they can stop tying their worth and identity to men. I want you to have so much love for yourself that whatever happens, you're okay. And you put your best foot forward, right? So I love that. Great tip. Okay. Um, is there anything we missed that we need to go over before? Um, I was just going to say what you just said real quick that, you know, some people want to be needed. Some people want to be wanted. And I think I've in my life, in my adult life, I've always preferred to be wanted, you know, for me, I've always preferred to be wanted, but I do recognize that if me and a partner, we make a commitment as we go on our journey, we're going to lean on each other and I'm going to need you and we're going to depend on each other. And I think the need will come later. And I think that part is okay. But the validation of you and your human being of an existence in order for you to be respected, no, that should not be needed in order for you to be respected walking down the street. The black woman should be respected and even more so praised than any other white woman that's walking down the street doing her thing also too. Because she's already doing it better anyway. Yeah, my uh, my cousin says it like this. Date a man who wants you, not a man who needs you. And vice versa. So, I, I mean, I know you said you wanted to be wanted, not need. Not I prefer, yeah, I prefer, you know, I'm, I'm always drawn to a woman who don't need nothing from me, but she want me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm... I'm drawn to that. I'm like, oh, you don't need me, but you want me? Like, you you on that? Okay, cool. That's what's up. Because for me, it's, it's like you're choosing you're choosing me. Like, you really are saying you rock with me. You're not doing it because you think you're not. Again, we might develop and we're going to improve each other. And that's that's cool. Right. But the initial spark, I, I prefer. I'm saying I prefer to be yeah. one. 100%. And that's where I messed up. I was dating men who needed me. Because I since Howard, I've been in radio, so I've always had a job. Um, yeah, you and, did. And, right. And I got blessed and lucky um, and hard work. You know, I worked for it. But and and so when I was younger, when I was in my 20s, I made it I made excuses for men. Um, oh, I understand why he's not here yet, because, you know, I got lucky. I got a job right out of I got my dream job right out of Howard. And when you're 25, you don't know what you want to be yet. Like I just I gave too many excuses. I don't have time for that anymore. I'm about to be 38 in June. So <laughs> I don't I don't have time for men who need anything from me. To want me, wonderful. But needing, mm-mm, I'm cool. 